0: I take it you're all watching the news, listening to the news each day and following the Brexit, getting excited, are you? No? Well, you know, as you watch the Brexit, uh, the attempted Brexit, what a fiasco it is, isn't it? One minute, we've got a date, we're leaving. It's definite. No, it's not, we're postponing it. No, it's not, we're leaving. And then as you listen to them in Parliament, you've got this group wants it one way, this group wants it the other way. No, I've changed my mind. I'm going to change sides. I'm going to go over the other side now. You notice the politicians. They're changing changing, uh, who, who they're for, who they're supporting. It's absolute chaos, isn't it? But you know, as we watch all this chaos going on, this reminds me so much of what we read in the Bible about the sort of things that's going to happen come the end time. You know, this old world it is getting into an absolute confused state, not only in this country, but worldwide as well. But as I look at this, I think, "Well, oh, this reminds me of a story in the Bible. This idea of one day we're leaving, no we're not, yes we are, and the changing of mind." Let's go back and think back in in Exodus there, and you have there the children of Israel. Now, God had promised the children of Israel that the time would come when he would lead them out to the promised land. And so the people looked forward to that. But as they were there, they were in in, uh, in Egypt for a very, very long time. Longer than Brexit had been taking place, although that almost appears as if it's been going on forever. But when you look at it, they were there for way over 400 years. But as they were about to leave, Pharaoh kept changing his mind and putting a stop to it. And the time came when God started to take control of the situation. And I'm sure that many of you can t- list off all the list of various plagues which God sent on Egypt at that time. But did you realize that each of the plagues that were sent on Egypt that time had a specific meaning? You take the plague, you got the plague of blood, the plague of frogs, you've got the lice, flies, pestilence, boils, Hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. Now you take that list all the way through and then you have a look at the gods that were being served in Egypt that time. And you will find that each and every one of those plagues was in reference to a particular heathen god that was being served at that time. So these weren't just random plagues that God was, ser- was sending but plagues that <coughs> had a particular meaning regards the, the, the gods, the heathen gods that they were serving at that time. But eventually the time came and Pharaoh agreed that he would give in to the request and he would allow the children of Israel to leave Egypt. Now bear in mind, this was a huge group of people. And they had been slaves for many, many years. They were doing a lot of the main manual tasks and skilled tasks as well at that time. And for this mass group of people to leave would have a tremendous effect on Egypt. But, you know, when God says something's going to happen, it will happen. There is no ifs, no buts about it. He will do it, and he will do it in his time. And God said that the children... Uh, of Israel, would leave Egypt. And as they left Egypt, they were even guided as to where they should go, which route they should take. And we find the situation comes where they, they are in between two mountain ranges. And in front of them there, they have the Red Sea. Can you imagine this? This is a huge group of people. They're resting up. They're waiting to go forward with their leader, moses and then the dreadful thing happened they realized that the egyptian pharaoh once again had changed his mind and although he'd allowed them to leave he changed his mind he realized the effect it was going to have on the commerce of that time and he got together his war chariots, his armies, and after, give you an idea how many people it is when you've got to get whole armies out to, to, to bring them back, and he comes after them, and the children of Israel are scared. You think about it. Mass group of people, and you're trapped in the valley, and you've got to sea in front, and you've got a massive army coming behind, complete with all their soldiers, their chariots, and all their high-ranking officers are coming for you, where can you go? (coughs) The people were saying to Moses, Moses, have you just brought us out into the wilderness here to bury us out here because there isn't enough room to bury us in Egypt? The people were feeling low and and, and really feeling depressed. But that's when God comes in and takes control of the situation. And what we find is the immediate effect God promises Moses a way out. And we find that the pillar of cloud and the angel that's at the front leading the children of Israel suddenly move. And instead of being in front and leading them, the cloud now is behind them. And it's between them and the Egyptians that are coming to take them back. The Egyptians couldn't see them. But they still had the problem Where do they go? And God says to Moses, stretch out your rod and part the sea. Did that really happen? Or is that just fable? Just a story? We read about it in the Bible. And I know we believe what's in the Bible. But you think about it. For the waters just part back. And there's massive people to cross. Did it really happen? The interesting thing is, archaeologists exploring that area, they have discovered that at that particular point where they crossed the Red Sea, where the Egyptians came with their chariots into the dry land in the middle of the water with their chariots and their horses, archaeologists have actually found there in recent years metal parts from the chariots. So even the ground itself is giving up its secrets. Yes, what the Bible says is true. Yes, God is always there to help. And when God says he will do something, he does it. But you know, there are times I find, and I'm sure you must find as well, when you get a little bit depressed, a little bit low. Things are going wrong. You know the sort of day I mean, you you get partway through the day and you think, why on earth did I get out of bed this morning? Because everything I do seems to be going wrong. You know, we all get these times. But you know, God has always promised that if we hold on to our faith and we trust in him, he will see us through. Many, many years ago, Um, It was a long time ago. We, in the latter part of the summer, uh, early autumn, we had a lot of rain up in Somerset. In fact, I think it was pretty general. It rained, and it rained, and it rained, and the ground was sodden, and it could take no more rain, but it kept raining. And the floods began to come up, and particularly in the Somerset Levels, mass areas went underwater. And then one evening, while the rain was coming down, I had a call from the RAC. You see, I used to do RAC recovery work at one time, and they called me. And this was a particularly early call, because for some reason or another, They often used to call me about half one, half two in the morning. You know, you're just getting settled down to sleep nicely and the phone would ring, somebody's broken down. And some of the things used to be really annoying. Like one occasion I was called out uh, to rescue someone. At about two o'clock in the morning, his car had broken down. And when I got there, he was driving from London to Bristol. He'd got on the outskirts of Bristol, his car had stopped. And the reason that it had stopped, he tied the throttle together with a piece of string as he was leaving London. And the string broke on the outskirts of Bristol, and he got me out of bed to go and see to him. I was not well pleased, because I thought, well, why didn't he just tie the, str- the string back up? But anyway, on this other occasion, I was called out for, uh, to see to a gentleman, and it was reported to me that he had damp ignition. Now, for those of you who uh, know anything about cars, water and the electricity doesn't go well together. And damp ignition stops your car on the side of the road. And this was damp ignition. I got the breakdown out, went out to recover this vehicle. And when I got there, the man was right. He had damp ignition. Because, you see, when I eventually found the car, the car had about that much showing above the water. The rest of the car was submerged. I could just find the roof. So I thought, he's right. Damp ignition, and it's not being sorted tonight. But then things began to change because the floods started getting worse. The river level started coming up. And then we suddenly realised that on the outskirts of the Digital Village where I was, there was a bridge. And in the middle of this bridge, there was a big, posh car. And he had damp ignition, and he was stuck. And the water was flowing all around the car, and we had a car full of people that couldn't get out. And we decided it was time to, didn't matter who you were called out for, to rescue the people in this car. They were in great danger. We started the rescue. We met with various problems. Um, One person wouldn't help me because he was afraid his his Land Rover might get scratched. Um, So he, he was willing to leave people stranded in a car in the middle of a flood to avoid scratching the Land Rover, but that's another story. But what happened was, while I was trying to get there to rescue this vehicle like a tidal wave came down the river. Took this car with all its occupants, took it over the side of the bridge and dropped it into the flood down below. The car disappeared under the water with all its occupants. And this is when the teenagers did something that just left me speechless. Because instead of just standing around they found some ropes, and quickly they dived off the top of the bridge with a rope around their waist, trying to get down and rescue the people. The water was a raging torrent, but fear, as often happens when you're, when you're, you're in your younger years, didn't seem to enter their system at all, and they were down there. They were determined to make a rescue. Time and time again they went down, but they were unable to, to uh, fulfil their task. Sometime a little later on that evening, while we were still there working, we could hear a voice, a faint voice calling from a distance. Help! Help! So we all, there were quite a lot of crews there, and we all tried to work out where this voice was coming from. And eventually, we found it. It was at the top of a tree. It was the young man It had been in that car. It managed to escape. It had been washed down the river a little way. Managed to grab a tree and climb to the top. Time was going on. It was now midnight and gone. And we decided to try to rescue him. And we were able to call out to him, Hold on, we're coming. Just hold on. But he held on. How, I don't know, being wet, cold, and we found out later, it was his mother, father and fiancé in the car, and as he stayed up that tree, he had no idea what had happened to the rest of the family, but we had just one message, hold on, we're coming. We had no idea how we were going to do it. The water was flowing so hard and so fast, we... Borrowed shall we say a boat from the local rowing club. We said we'll speak to them tomorrow about it We will take it tonight. And we tried to uh, row out to him. No good at all. We couldn't get the boat off off the banks We had the fire brigades there. We had all the services there We we, we had no idea how we were going to reach him. Then we noticed he was beginning to slide down the tree And we had one old gentleman there he was getting on in years, but he had a powerful voice. And he had a, quite a rich vocabulary. And in his own way, he told them to get back up the tree and don't be so weak. And he'd go back up the tree. And we managed to keep him there. And then as a last resort, we sent an emergency call out for the RAF to come in by helicopter and for the army to bring in um, um, rubber dinghies and the like. And we were there waiting, and we were there trying our best to reach him. And then as dawn came upon us, something like half 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, bear in mind this young lad had been up there all night holding on to a tree. Um, we had the helicopters coming ahead, and we had the army arrive at the same time. The army took their boat, went out to try to rescue him. They had, I don't know, about four or six crew in it, a, a, a pirate boat. They got almost to the tree. Rescue was in sight when another wave came down the river and flipped them upside down and sent all the crew down the river. They all had life jackets and we weren't particularly bothered because we thought they'll, they'll be all right. That's the one we're worried about. They launched their second craft as the helicopter came in and started to lower a winch. And eventually, the second craft was able to rescue him. But all the time through that Period. We had one message for that young man. Just one. Hold on. We're coming. And that's the message which God has for us today. When everything seems bleak, when we can't see a way through things, when everything seems to be going wrong, just hold on to your faith. Because God has promised that the day will come. He will come. And you know what it said in our scripture reading? I've gone to prepare a place for you. And I'll come back for you. He's made the promise. But when life gets difficult, when life gets really hard, hold on to what God has told us in His Word. Time and time again, we can see how God has kept His promises. Life can get very, very difficult at times. Just think about it. <coughs> Think of those three young Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How would you have been in their place? They trusted in the God, the God of heaven, and yet the ruler of the day was told, but told them that they had to join with the rest and had to bow down to the, the image which had been made. What you, would you have done in that time? I know what the temptation would have been as far as I'm concerned, but whether what I would have done, until you're in this situation, you never know. But wouldn't it have been really tempting to just say, I don't accept, I don't believe in the worship of this image, but I value my life. I'll just keep my head down. Hope I don't get noticed. But no, they were proud of the God that they served. And they were willing to stand firm that day. You know, you never know when you are going to be asked to tell someone else about what you believe and the God you believe in. And we should never be ashamed or afraid to speak up for God. Because think what he has done for you and for me. Think how he sent his son to this earth to die for you and me. It's personal. And yet so often, when we're asked, we're a little bit shy, a little bit hesitant to speak up. Last Tuesday, I was at the local academy with uh, two of our ministers preparing for our day of fellowship, which is on exactly the same day as yours. And... um, uh, Fortunately, unfortunately, depend how you look at it, I've been involved in trying to arrange the, um, the facilities there, and we went down to have a look at the facilities, new ministers, two new ministers to the area, and they wanted to know what was arranged, what we're going to have. I said, well, it's the same as we've had for two or three years before. Ah, oh, yeah, but I want to know. Okay, so I arranged for them to go there, and as is the uh, trend these days, is you don't learn to throw your voice. You know, when I was a youngster, a 14-year-old here, on this very platform, we had the headmistress of the school upstairs, and many of you will know her, she was known in those days as Joyce Halbert, and she used to look after the youth of this church. And one thing she used to say was, you had to learn to throw your voice, so that people at the back could hear But, you know, that seems to have gone nowadays. When we were down at the facilities um, on Tuesday, how many mics can we have? Um, Well, we've got a couple of mics. Oh, I will need at least eight, maybe more. You know, we're going to have a band. We're going to mic the whole band up. No, OK, it was a reasonable size hall, but not that big. But they were concerned. But what happened while all this was going on? rather took me by surprise. Because the caretaker was sat on the end of of the stage waiting for all this business on the sound system to get sorted out. And he said, Len, what does your church believe? What's different in your church? What is your belief? Now there's a straight question coming out in the middle of sorting sort- out the technicalities of a sound system. It took me a bit by surprise. But the interesting thing is, we both sat on the end of the platform or stage, with our feet dangling off the end there, and we were chatting about what is taught in the Bible. Never mind the technicalities, never mind the sound system, what's in here? And he said, what's what's the main difference between you and a Baptist? I said, well, a lot of it is in in, in the name. Obviously, I said, a lot of our beliefs are, are similar to yours. But I said, the main thing that people pick up, first of all, is that we go to church on Saturday, the church Sabbath. Well, yes, he said, you're right. And this is a Baptist. He said, that's what the Bible teaches. You're doing the right thing. Do you know I've got a feeling that as this world gets nearer to the end time, that more and more people out there, which we don't realize, are really taking in what God's word really says. And they're accepting it. And I think the time will come when we will see many, many people decide to take take their stand and follow Christ. But in the meantime, It's important that we hold on to what we believe. Keep that idea in your mind. Hold tight. Because by holding tight, that young man saved his life that night. As he was cold, and what was in his mind, I I have no idea. But the circumstances couldn't have been worse. But he held on. And as times get worse around us today... Just hold on to what you believe. Hold on to what Christ says in his word. He has made a promise. I'm coming again. No ifs, no buts. I'm coming back. And when we look at the things that are happening in the world around us today, I think everything is pointing to the fact of the nearness of the coming of Christ. You know, as we watch this EU saga the brexit saga think about it we are told that the the nations will not cleave one to another do you remember that in daniel are we actually seeing that take place now i'm not saying we are but i do ask the question because it is interesting to know <coughs> the other nations are saying, if Britain leaves the EU, we are going to as well. Who knows? You know, sometimes you can be into the middle of something and not really see everything that's happening around you. Do You think of Paul. Paul, I see he was on that ship journey when they were caught in the storm. Against his advice, the captain had decided to sail. They were in a storm that it going on for day after day after day. And the time came when it was pretty obvious the ship was going to be lost. But God had told Paul that providing the crew, everyone on board, stay together, no one will be lost. And as the ship tossed and turned, and as the crew f- threw a tackle over the side, <coughs> and um, they also tried to hold the boat together with, with ropes, <coughs> can you imagine what, it, what the sea was like? But Paul had one message from God. Hold on, and no one will be lost. They did. They held on. The ship was eventually beached. And eventually, everyone escaped off that boat. Not one person was lost. Hold on. That's what they did. And I'd like to leave the thought with you this morning that as you see things unfurling around you, as you see life at times getting more difficult, maybe you're fortunate, And life's going well for you at the moment. But the time will come. And when that time comes, just remember the promises that Jesus has made to each and every one of us here this morning. He's promised us an eternal home. You know, in the version I read to you this morning, we're talking there, mansions. You know, I'm not bothered whether it's a mansion or whether it's a one bedroom apartment. If it's something God has prepared for me, it's something pretty spectacular. He's promised it. All he's asked is we remain faithful to him. So let us in our lives now remain faithful to the one who gave so much to us. And as we hold tight, we know that he will keep his promise. And he will come. What a wonderful day that will be. When as we see there in the sky. Not the sun as we see it now. But we see the brightness of Jesus coming. The second coming. When he comes to call his loved one's home. When he comes for you and for me. What a wonderful day that will be. And I pray that each one of us here this morning. We will be there looking forward to seeing the one who gave so much for us. So hold tight, he's coming soon.